Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Robin Boyd and we are on Military Mom Talk Radio and talking today about embracing change. And instead of resisting change, we're going to learn how to embrace it because there's one thing that's constant about life, it's change. But the military family has specific challenges that require them to change a lot more than the average family. There's a lot of moving, there's a lot of changing, there's a lot of uh, following orders, and all of a sudden, you know, you're living here, you're moving there. And so change is really an important thing for us to talk about. And we're going to talk about it with Stephanie Dumont. She was our guest, Rob, last week. She's the Be Carefree Lady, Conscious and Carefree Living. And last week's show, we talked about staying where you are, starting where you are, your self as a priority, building your quality of life, and really focusing on your well-being and living this wellness lifestyle. And so we ran out of time last week, so we're going to bring her back again this week to talk more about focusing on the outcome you want, because change is really difficult. Change is difficult. Uh, And I think one of the things the military family does do so well is to accept that change because you know it's going to come. Um, And rather than uh, putting the expectations on uh, something that you know is going to be constant, you embrace the fact that there's going to be some changes and make the best of it. You have to. Well, it's a skill set, absolutely, that, you know, military kids and military spouses really get good at whether they want to or not. And um, change is just it's just a challenge. Like, and I think it gets harder as I get older. You know, when I was in my twenties, change was exciting and fun. And thirties, when I had my kids, not so much forties, it kind of became a grind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very rooted. Now it's funny because my oldest son and his wife are very nomadic. They do live in an RV. They do travel a lot. They thrive on this. They love it. They're enjoying learning something about new areas of the country there. They are totally embracing uh, the life on the road. I need my anchor. (laughs) I need to be at home. I need to be uh, at in a stationary place. Well, and you know, one of the things about change is for a while there, I got into this routine where every year I would buy my dad like a wallet or I'd buy him socks and my sister would get him a tie and my other sister would get him a sweater. And, you know, he's 85 now and he really doesn't use a lot of those things anymore, or at least at the rate he's going. And then I have my two teenage boys, they're 13 and 15. And Rob, it's impossible to find something that's thoughtful and special, but useful and practical uh, for my boys. I mean, there's three of them and they range from 13, 15 and 85. It's, it's not easy. One of the things that I'm excited about for this show uh, today, Sandra, is that we have Harry's as our sponsor and talking about a great gift. If you're talking about something for your dad, something for your sons, think about the fact that this is something they can always use. Uh, My husband is always procrastinating to get a new razor. He'll try and get one more shave out of that razor until we uh, decided that Harry's was, was the way to go. And then you don't have to worry about it. It's something that, that comes automatically and you have it ready and don't have to think about it. Well, I like that they make these long-lasting quality blades and products at this super reasonable price. And they've got a 4.5 out of 5-star rating on Trustpilot. And you know their blades are as low as $2 each. And the other thing that I like, because I come from obviously a German family, my last name is Beck, and they were so focused on quality that they bought this German blade factory that's been making blades for over 100 years. And that's why they can offer a 100% quality guarantee. That's phenomenal. You know, um, the other thing that's really exciting about Harry's is the fact that they are so philanthropic. They set aside 1% of all their sales to donate to nonprofits, including a half a million to veterans' mental health causes this year. Phenomenal. 
I know they're proud partners of Headstrong and Stop Soldier Suicide. I think that's super cool. That is super cool. You know, Sandra, as a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including our limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash MMTR. Plus, you'll get free shipping. This offer is for new and returning customers and is only available for the holidays. Well, each Harry Shave set comes with an ergonomic weighted handle with this option to engrave. We got the Army Green one. It's super cool. It also comes with German-engineered five-blade cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, and a travel cover to protect your blades. And it does come in this handsome gift box, Rob. I have it right here. I mean, it is really sharp. It looks like one of those fancy watch boxes when you open it. It's like boxed in box. It's really a sharp-looking present. And if you want something for yourself, you can redeem the Harry's trial offer to experience the quality of a shave before committing. It's very cool. That is cool. I'm excited because I have about four people that I need to tick off my <laughs> check checklist here. And that is exactly what uh, is going to go in their, uh, in their gifts this year. Well, and you can get your holiday shopping done early. Now, free shipping ends on December 12th, so you're going to want to act now. Go to harrys.com slash MMTR to get $5 off a shave set while supplies last. That's harrys.com slash MMTR. For those of you that are challenged like I am, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash MMTR, like Military Mom Talk Radio. Now, Rob, we're so excited to bring Stephanie to the show today because, you know, when you, when you look at your role models growing up, I know for me, my parents stayed in the same house for 50 years. You know, they didn't move. They didn't change. And we didn't have a lot of divorce and blended families. And the things that were challenging our families today, I didn't have that growing up, did you? No, I did not. I'm, I'm an only child. My parents did move once, but we moved from one side of the town to the other. I stayed in the same schools. Um, so I did not have a lot of that in my life. So to think of being uh, more flexible, to be a lot more uh, tr- uh, change in your life, seems difficult to me, but there again, if you've been in the military, you are bringing up children. Our nephew has been a career person. He's a colonel in the army and they have all of their children's lives. They have been on the road between Germany and here and they've been deployed all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful experience. It's, a, it's, it's an amazing experience, but it does require a certain set of skills. And I know one of the things that I had a specific problem with was asking for help and that was, and getting support. You know, that was not my strong point because I was always raised, you know, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't ask, don't uh, just get it done. Just do the best you can and, and suffer in silence. And, you know, a lot of our military families were raised with that same ideology and that just makes it even more difficult it does and and too sometimes you can't talk a lot about where you're being deployed depending on the um the assignment that you're at i know steve couldn't talk a lot about stuff that he was was doing but i didn't follow with him at the time um but yeah it is difficult uh to ask for help thank goodness there are more resources there's fam family readiness groups are so much more supportive, I think, than ever. Um, And I think it's wonderful for young people these days to have as much support as they do. Well, that's why we have these shows to talk about it because, you know, it's, it's so many of my friends over the years have suffered in silence and um, there was a stigma for asking for help or a stigma for getting support from people. You know, there was like, support you knew you could ask for and then there was support you knew you couldn't and you know I like when we have our embracing change shows because we talk about all the different kinds of supports that are available and how to ask for help and you know for me specifically the biggest impetus for asking for help was like I was falling apart and the kids were falling apart and we were really struggling um and I had to 
relearn that asking for help didn't mean I was failing. It just meant I was asking for help. It didn't mean I couldn't do it. And in some cases, you know, I couldn't do it on my own. But asking for help at that point was this big pivotal change in my thought process of going, gee, if I ask for help, it'll be an admission that I can't do it and that I'm somehow failing. When in reality, Rob, it was just asking for help. That's so poignant, Sandra, because I do think that is something everybody assumes that asking for help means that you're not capable, you're not able. I, I think asking for help is a learning curve. Asking for help is, is learning a new way or a new skill or getting the support that you need to get to the next stage in your life, to the next path on the journey. It is because I think, you know, when I look back at, at all the times that I've, that I've asked for help and I would look at people going, it's so easy for some people to ask for help. And a lot of times those are the people that ask for help for everything. And so when it came to me, I was very selective and very careful about what I asked for help. And, you know, because there was that stigma of weakness. All right. Well, we will be back after these messages with Stephanie Dumont of Be Conscious and Carefree. We're talking about embracing change. We'll be back after the break. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating. And exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Hey, this is Sandra Beck, and we're back with Stephanie Dumont. Now, she's that executive and empowerment coach from San Diego that we had on last week. So if you like today's show, you're going to want to look at last week's episode because we talked a lot about living a conscious and carefree life. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do you do it? Because it sounds good, but until you put it into practice, you'll yeah. never know how good you can feel every single day. Now, yeah. Stephanie's website is is BeCarefree.com, like the letter B. So if you're listening along, uh, go ahead and check out our website, BeCarefree.com. And this is a lifestyle blog and a learning forum that talks about conscious and carefree formulas for joyful and productive living, because there's lots of stuff out there about being productive, but we want to be radiantly, jubilantly, happy, satisfied, and content while yeah. we're being productive, because what are we here on this earth for if it's not to enjoy all these wonderful things that we're given? But I yes. have to be honest, Stephanie, I didn't know how to enjoy all the gifts I had been given until probably the last five, maybe eight years. And wow. I was very resistant to change. I was very much holding on to things that didn't mm -hmm. serve me because I was afraid. I didn't mm -hmm. even know at the root of my resistance to change was fear. You know, that took a lot of soul yep. searching and uh, coaching. You know, I have a, I have a therapist, I have a coach, and then I coach other coaches who are always willing like you to pick up mm -hmm. the phone and help me work through something. Yeah. But I had to learn how to embrace change. I, I, yes. I wasn't naturally good at it. I don't know if anybody is. I don't think we are. And, and I do think that we're taught, again, from a really young age to, to uh, resist, to fight, to hold on. And I mean, and, and to loathe, a lot of loathing, which is a really strong, thick, yucky word. But it's like... Um, you know, we're, we get into these, like, I, I call it, we, we live in our comfort zone. You know, we live in this zone of comfort and there's different things inside of our zone and um, everything is pretty predictable and we know how everything goes. And, you know, and when change occurs, 
it can make us uh, like uncomfortable. And and I mean, nobody likes to be uncomfortable. And and terrified. (laughs) Terrified. Like that's true. You know, I had this marriage that wasn't working, (laughs) and you know, I had been to tons of therapists, both by myself and trying to work it out. And I had this, you know, I was pregnant with one and had the other, and you know, I'm not going to blame or point fingers or anything, but the fact of the matter was I was holding on to something that wasn't working, hadn't really worked from the beginning in all honesty. And I'm holding on to something that was painful and awful and humiliating. (laughs) But the concept of that change terrified me. It terrified me. In fact, the first attorney I went to to file, I yeah. brought my newborn and I had my toddler and he was like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm filing for divorce. And he's like, why? And I, I, I couldn't do anything but shake and cry. And then he sent me home. He's like, you don't know, you, you don't know what you're doing. And blah, blah, blah. Like, so I didn't even pick up the Cheerios in his law office. I'm just like, you were mean to me. I'm going to leave all those Cheerios in the floor. <laughs> Even though I only punished probably the, the you know the the front desk girl, but oh you know, gosh, the of change and yeah. now like ten years later, I'm like that was the best thing I ever did. I didn't yes know be so happy. I didn't know my kids could be raised in peace. Like, but that concept, like when you talk about changing your thoughts on fear. Yes. You have to know what your thoughts are. You actually have to think about yes. what do you feel about change. For me, change used to be, it was going to be frightening. It was going to be lots of unknowns. It's going to be tons of challenges and you may fail. Now, 10 years later, if you ask me what I thought about change, I would tell you it opens doors. It's mm-hmm. exciting new opportunities. Mm-hmm grow and to 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 improve and you can do this and handle it and then some yep i agree completely and so what i hear you saying is that you know in in changing our thought about change that we really have to look at our beliefs about change like you said and most people will say what do you what do you think about change uh, it's terrifying i will fight it tooth and nail <laughs> i will right I, I will kick its butt. Uh, I will, I, they'll work against it. And, and so no, much energy, right? They're high. Oh yeah. Hiding, hiding and resisting. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, you can always go into the bathroom and close the door. You can always do that. But this is it, what you're saying is the epitome of true because this is, what we've been taught and spoon fed we're still spoon fed this from day one in our lives right and uh you know and we were taught in the beginning that we have to be compliant about it right you you do what i say or you have to do this to be successful or you have to have these degrees in order to accomplish this whatever it is and so especially when the change is unexpected and and a lot of changes um we have to look at our beliefs about it because really change can be, you know, like I always tell this story about like, there's two people. I I remember I was standing in line for a roller coaster with my stepson and, and he hadn't been on this roller coaster in a long time and it was pretty big. And he said to me, I have to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous. And when he said that I freaked out. Because I was not nervous up to that point. But when he said he was nervous and he's fearless, I was like, oh my, oh my God, I, I should be nervous too. This is a lot bigger than I think. And I started going through all this stuff. So it was really interesting watching myself go from anticipation and excitement of going on the ride. And then immediately I shifted to fear. And right. so, you know, excitement and fear. I think can feel the same way in our body. It's just our interpretation of it. Yes. So again, this is a really big concept. Like I'm just going to repeat that because this is a big thing. It took me a long time to get this, but that excitement and fear, you know, feel very similar, if not the same. And it's just how we're, our brain is interpreting it. 
You know, right. am I afraid to get on this roller coaster or am I, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is thrilling. I'm going to have an adrenaline rush, right? But it's, it's that same feeling in our body. So, so we have to change our thought about change yes. and we have to, we have to be willing to, um, there's another wonderful distinction I love in the coaching world. And the distinction is to respond to something versus react. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when we respond to something, we're being present. You and I talked about this on the last show, how important it is to be present and to slow down and responding comes from our true selves, our authentic selves. And when we're reacting, you know, we're freaking out or we're getting upset or angry um, we're coming from old patterns and behaviors. We're coming from um, our ego, which is just made to protect us, right? And and we're and like you're in that place of this. Um, you don't. It doesn't feel good. It feels horrible. Okay, let's just be honest about it. Yeah. So it really is. We have to look at how we look at change. That's probably position number one is, is how are we going to approach it? And we can choose. You and I were talking about the almighty uh, choice that we can make that um, even though this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, um, I'm going to make it the best I can. Right. Really. Right. Well, and I think you need to give yourself a little bit of time. Like the one thing that yes. I learned, like, you know, I didn't date for a long time after I was divorced. I had one boyfriend and, you know, worked for like three, four years and I didn't even put my toe in the water. And then, you know, the person that I'm with now came into my life when I was first divorced and then came back into my life a little later. And the first time he asked me out, I was terrified. Like I thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> I met him for dinner and then I... I actually got my foot tangled in the strap of my purse and got out of the car and got my knees all dirty I'm on so sorry. Ventura Boulevard. And then halfway through the dinner, I went to the bathroom and never came back. Um, <laughs> now, if, <laughs> if uh, I, to me, these are indicators. We could talk about this after the show, right, but these are right. indicators. That's why I'm laughing. Seriously. But I'm saying this not because I want people to feel sorry for me, but I want people <laughs> to recognize like where you can think yourself. Yes. The reality was very different than what I was thinking myself. And then the funny thing was like five years later, this person comes back and asks me out again, you know, we are past cross. And this time I was so excited and I wasn't afraid. And I, I got all dolled up and I was bought a new outfit and I looked mm. at it with anticipation and joy. And, yes. it, like, and I guess what? I didn't fall out of the car. Yay. And I stayed through the whole date. And even through the first date, I felt all this discomfort and fear, like yeah. it still welled up, but I kept going to the bathroom. But this time I came back <laughs> like, I would excuse myself and say, you know, I need to use the restroom and I'd go there. And then I would literally go in the stall and calm myself down and go, no, this is a good thing that somebody yeah. is a good thing. And I had to go through all this crazy self-talk. Well, um, that's, that's, that's actually sounds quite sane. I know it sounds crazy, but it's, it well, is probably the sanest thing. Like, <laughs> she's a little crazy. Well, okay. But you, so you were talking out loud. Yes. It's a date, not a marriage proposal. It's just, <laughs> you know, I go through all these things in my head because when even good change, I guess is my, yes. Yeah. Even good change can freak you out. Yeah. So, so here's a tip that I have for people that are going through changes um, is to focus on the outcome that you want. <laughs> You know, because with change, we get really caught up in what's happening. And sometimes we can be at that part where it's uncomfortable. And then we want to like put on the brakes, like stop. Or I have to lock myself in the bathroom for three hours on this really beautiful day. Danger, danger, danger. <laughs> so we do, we stop ourselves. Really, we, we, we can be really, truly our our worst enemies. Absolutely. And we can really, nobody can get in our way better than us. Yep. 
So this is, this is something you got to kind of come to terms with. If you want to live a happy life, um, you have to come to terms with the fact that do you want to be your worst enemy? Do you want to keep yourself from being um, fulfilled and, and being successful and, um, and evolving in your life? And I really think these are questions we need to ask ourselves. And if the answer is no, then you will start to practice these things we're talking about today. So focusing on the outcome you want is really important. I used one of my best clients used to say, uh, begin with the end in mind. Yeah. So when something intimidates you or something um, you know makes you nervous, then just shift your focus to, okay, what do I want here? Right. What, do what, what do I want to happen? Want? Like at the time. Yeah, what do I really, like the end thing. Right, right. What do I really <laughs> want? I want to be, I want to have loving, harmonious, and beautiful communication with another soul, with another person. I want to um, be, be able to be myself and be comfortable and be able to be relaxed around somebody. Um, for me, in my, you know, current marriage, I wanted to be in a dynamic duo. I was just telling my husband last night, I wanted a man who could, who could speak on my behalf. I wanted a man who, who understood me and could interpret what I was saying and share what I was doing with other people in a way that they would want to know more about me. This was really important to me. And so, again, this is focusing on the outcome you want, right? And so it is difficult in that uncomfortable part. Um, you know, I had a situation where we... Um, a few years ago where we were living in, uh, we lived in a home and uh, the people did not disclose to us that there was a, a preschool next door to it. And when I was trying to do my radio interviews or do my work, um, I had, you know, the joyful, but yelling and screaming kids next door. And I tried to work with this woman. I tried to work with her. And I just said, could you just let me know the hours the kids are outside and, and wrote her nice letters. And she wrote back, none of your business. Um, I, uh, uh, this is, I was here way before you. I'm a pillar in the community and pretty much gave me the finger. And I thought to myself, wow, this was woman's running a, a preschool, you know? Um, this is kind of scary to me, but long story short, um, she, she did some intimidating tactics with me. And I got to a point where I thought to myself, um, a neighbor said to me, um, you know, maybe you should file a restraining order. And while I was sitting there, like thinking about it, I kind of thought, um, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have this kind of stress in my life. Right. And then I just sat there thinking, and my thought was, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And in that moment, I went, oh, you guys could move. Yeah. You could move somewhere that you really, really want to live, that you're excited about living. And as soon as that thought, focus on the outcome you want, came into my mind, oh, my shoulders let down. I could relax. And I turned to this other neighbor who she was terrorizing, and I just said, you know, I really want out of this I don't want to have anything to do right. with the situation it's not my battle it's exactly it's not your battle and and we always have a choice of how we want to deal with something absolutely and absolutely. so and so we have to choose um what is going to feel good and what is right for us and we have to choose the outcome that we want. And sometimes that's hard in the beginning because we get caught up in the emotions of it. Right. You know, we get caught up in the, in the, in the battle of it. And well, or the wrongness. Like, yes. I, know I can see a lot of people getting caught up in the wrongness of it. Exactly. And so we have to kind of really, we got to check in with yourself. Right. And that doesn't get you what you want. No. It doesn't get you what you want, and you, you definitely want to focus on the outcome. And so, like I said, um, it, it takes a certain amount of stopping. It takes a moment for us to kind of stop and say, okay, I know this is craziness. Sometimes it's insanity, and sometimes we're stuck in situations we really don't want to be in. And it's just really important for us to get clear 
and to listen to our intuition and then we can take a step forward so we're so used to moving forward before we even know what the right thing is to do right you know, well, a lot of us right well and i can tell you i i do shows with this guy dr andrew whitman he's a resiliency expert and he's he was like oh, security that. detail for Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, uh, Netanyahu. I mean, really heavy oh, hitter, wow. along with being, you know, this amazing PhD. And um, he told me, you know, because he trains SEALs and, and other special forces. He's like, you know, when you're under stress, like part of your brain shuts down. So yes. when you are under high stress and you're experiencing high emotion. He's like, Sam, don't react. Don't make decisions until you get that emotion down, which is what you did. You did, you know, emotion would say, Oh, I'm going to get my, my mega blaster, um, you know, uh, sound system and I'm going to put it out the window and I'm just going to bomb that preschool with like <laughs> some profanity driven rock music. <laughs> like, you know, but that's the emotion. Like, and yes. then, I'm down, you go, okay, I'm not going to accost these poor little children you know, <laughs> in battle for me to, you know, to, to, to go up against this witch. I, I played classical music in Yanni. I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> but you know, I mean, like, that's what emotion tells us to do. Emotion right. tells us to escalate it, you know, right. to fight, to do these things. And then once the emotion went down, you know, and you engage now both sides of your brain, you can come up with a logical solution but I have to tell you, what did you, there had to be some feelings in you of resentment that go, even though it's exciting to move, moving's a lot of work. It was a lot of stress and it was a lot of work. Yeah. And at first I was, you know, I have to tell you, Sandra, I really do, in the best of my ability, uh, walk my talk. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't be a coach um, and, you know, a mastermind facilitator and, um, you know, co-founder of Conscious and Carefree and helping other people to manifest their dreams and live their life. I, I have to, I take it upon myself. Not I have to. I take it upon myself that I have to walk my talk. Well, and yeah, because like as a coach, you'd be the biggest hypocrite. Like, yeah, and not, I don't want to be. It's not my thing. And not tell the not truth. my thing. Like, right. It's not my thing at all. So it was, like I said, it, it got really bad you know, she pushed it into bad. And that's what forced me into better. I could have met bad with bad. I could have really hurt her life and destroyed her business. And I thought, is this really why you where you want to put your energy and time? You know, there's this great quote by Socrates. And it says, the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And I swear I take this quote to heart. I'll repeat it. The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Okay? And that was Socrates. I mean, even way back then. And this is this whole concept of embracing change instead of resisting, instead of fighting, instead of pushing, mm -hmm. that we embrace and align ourselves with the best that is within us, okay, that's number one. You got to align yourself with you first. And then you're aligning yourself with what you want or want to have happen in your life, right? Right. You got you to take the time to get clear and to figure that out. Like, who do I want to be in the world? Right. We talked about this in the last show. You know, this is a very important concept to me. Um, you know, in regards to um, reaching your highest potential and optimal performance. It's like, who do I want to be on a daily basis in my life? Am I being that? Am I taking the steps necessary? Am I practicing the habits? Am I sitting down to do a five-minute meditation? Am I shifting gears? You know, you were talking about shifting gears between, high, you know, high-paced work and then coming home to your kids so that you can sit there and be with your children and really listen to them. And so this takes, it takes time and it takes energy and it, and it has to be a priority. It really is again, you know, just like we talked about with conscious and carefree, 
which is about making yourself a priority first. Because if you're not whole and you're not firing on all cylinders, mm -hmm. uh, you're hurting yourself and you're going to be hurting the people around you. Now, this is just a fact. And so most of us are used to functioning at about half our ability. I talk to people all the time. They're like, okay, if I'm walking and talking, I'm functioning well. No, no, you, 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 you know, when you have a baby and, and you're, you know, you're in those stages, those first couple of years, yes, we are putting one foot in front of the other. I don't know how I survived with no sleep for so long, nursing my kids as long as I did. I don't know how I did that. That was like superhero stuff. Yeah. And it's so funny now you miss like one night's sleep and you're like, well, I don't know. I, I'm like, I'm a disaster. I'm like, yeah, I didn't get sleep. And it's like, so, you know, then I'd have to go and sit and, and do some meditation. Cause you know, if you do a little bit of meditation, it can make you feel like you've had a couple hours of sleep if you do it correctly. So these are ways that we can embrace change. And, you know, I always recommend to people too, to look at ways like what has worked for you in the past. Mm -hmm. Like when you've been through big changes in your life, there are certain things that you did or ways that you behaved that really served you at your highest level. And so I always say to people, look back because they say, I don't know how. And I say, yes, you do. Let's, let's tell me something that you did that was kind of a big change for you. And they'll be like, well, I, uh, you know, like you, I, I, walked out of a marriage that was, you know, extremely toxic and, um, and harmful to my well-being. And, um, and so how did you do it? Well, I, you know, I was very mindful about it. And um, I, I went to, I took a class, somebody, you know, I took a divorce class through Miracosta College. I actually hired I, a divorce coach. Well, there are people. Kind of brilliant. They will walk you through the process and not just like, you know, not the paperwork and all that kind of stuff, but like, yeah. here's what to expect. Here's yes. what people like, you know, especially in our country where divorce is so prevalent. It's like, why would we walk through this path blind and alone? Like that was my, when I saw this divorce coach and he was advertising on, I don't know, maybe Facebook, something like that. And I thought, what could it hurt? And I called him up and his name was Steven and he's been divorced three times and he wasn't teaching me how to get married. He was teaching me how to get divorced and the best practices. And I thought, what a cool thing because I don't like surprises. Right. And when he would say, Hey, if he brings the girlfriend to custody court, you can expect this. You can expect wow. that. Don't, wow. don't be caught off guard if this happens. And because he, he'd not only been married three times and divorced three times, but he had also been coaching for the last 10 years, mm -hmm. there wasn't anything this man hadn't heard. So I did have a, like a five-year battle with my ex-husband in and out of court for various things. And the court mm -hmm. did take the kids away from him at one point. You know, it was pretty ugly. I'm sorry. And yes, thank you. And but there was not much that surprised me because somebody had already said in my ear, Hey, this is pretty common. When people want money, they do this. When people want the kids, they do that. When they want the kids because of money, they do this. So instead of going into all these changes that were being navigated through the court system mm. and going, this is so unfair. Why did this happen? I'm the only one that's ever happened to. I'm like, okay, well, he called it. <laughs> you know, that's well, a much different That's amazing. Thing. That is amazing. I wish that I had known about that because oh, no. I, I, you know, also walked through the process the first time really completely by myself and um, experienced a lot of deer in headlights situations because I was not informed. And I don't know, you, you, you have this fairy tale in your mind too, that, that, um, you've been with this person so many years so that they, they would never do anything bad to you. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a different show. That's, that's a different show. Um, and, and there is help out there for navigating change. You know, the other person yeah. I worked with, yes. I, had, I had my, my divorce coach and I only yeah. had the divorce coach for like six months. It's not like I needed it for my whole life. 
Right. Um, I just needed it to process some feelings to, to understand what was happening to me and, and, you know, things like that. But the other person I hired was a grief coach. And wow. when my mom was getting towards her final stages, you know, cause all of this happened at once, Stephanie, you know, I'm going through a foreclosure. I'm going through a divorce. I've oh got my, my mom dying. Oh my gosh. My divorce was final in July. My mom died in September. So that's a lot for any one person, I think. Yeah. And I know myself, like I'm real coachable. I was a, an athlete. So if you tell me to run, just tell me where to run. Tell me to jump and I'll jump. Like, right. I'm You're coachable. good at following instructions. You're coachable. And this is, an, it's, this is a great thing to tell your listeners because, um, and I sometimes work with people for very short stints, like three-month stints or six-month yeah. stints. Or they want to, you know, expand their career. They want to get a new job. They want to, uh, I don't know why, but people do come to me when they're going through big life changes like divorce and things like that. Yeah. And I have been through it. And I, you know, I'm an empowerment expert. Um, I love the idea though, specifically of a divorce coach. I think that's brilliant because a lot of people don't know how to do it. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head. That was one of the points I wanted to talk about today. We, we, we have to learn to ask for help and yes. to elicit support because we just, you know, like I said, the whole Lone Ranger thing is just, it's, it's done. done We're done. finished with that done and done. And, and it's just, it's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. And so we have to learn. I don't know about you, but you know, when I grew up asking for help was a sign of weakness. Yes. This is the way I was raised. You do not ask for help. You do everything that you're supposed to yourself. You do you it know. yourself. You don't ask for yeah. help. You don't I walked anything. three miles in the snow and I had holes in my shoes and you could do it too. Well, I don't want to do that. I, 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 the struggle is not for me. My, my life is meant to, I want to thrive in my life. I don't, I don't want to survive. Well, the way I look at it is we only get so much energy in a day. So how do I allocate that energy? I've got a foreclosure. I've got two Mm -hmm. little kids. I've got a dying mom. I have a company to run. Like there is really only so much gas in the car, if you will. Yep. So if I go to my divorce coach and simplify things for myself so that I can give my energy to my company if I go to my divorce or uh, my grief coach, she was wonderful. She explained to me because I thought I was losing my mind. Yeah. After my mom died, I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. And I was. I understand. I put, I was eating those like little diet dinners, you know, you buy at the grocery store. I forget what yeah. they're called, which brand I was using. Do you know I bought like 10 of them because she said, stock up on some of these foods. You can pop in the microwave. Don't worry about your nutrition and your health right now. Yeah. You can just eat these things when you're hungry because you're not going to taste anything anyway and you're not going to cook fresh vegetables and do your usual, you know, nutrition dog and pony show. Right. Do you know I put them away in the paint closet and I didn't find them till like I was cleaning out my, my, I have one of these cabinets in my garage where I keep like the paint and the, you know, the touch up stuff and all the things for my house. And then in the summer, I'm like, you know, I should probably they were doing one of those like school drives where you bring all your toxic things and dispose yes. of them. I'm like, I, I'm sure I can go get some paint and stuff out of there. And I'm like, Oh my God, there was like 10 frozen dinners still in their boxes. They had been in there like three months, four months. Well, you were not in your right mind. No. And she would tell me, you're going to do things like these. You're going to put your keys yep. in the freezer. You're going to put, yeah. and you know, that confusion is a normal yes. grief. Yes. I, so I went through somebody, it myself. I went through it myself. Right. So if somebody tells you these things, mm-hmm. then you don't think you're losing your mind. You don't think you're going crazy or that the world's falling apart. You're just like, oh, okay, well, I'm a little more scatterbrained than normal. That's grief. Yes. And you give yourself a break. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate when I went through that phase to have a, a really wonderful partner. I, he wasn't my husband at the time, but he was with me and um, I... You know, I when I was going through that right after my mother passed, I went through a short period of um, not speaking, of like going mute, and I did not know it was happening. I didn't foresee it. I just had nothing to say. And I remember him fielding calls for me, saying, um, "Stephanie can't talk to you." And friends were getting very angry. And you put her on the phone right now. Um, no, you don't understand. She's not speaking. Right. So, um, and talk about big change. 
Um, and I did not foresee that. Uh, nobody told me that that was something that could happen. And for somebody who is as loquacious as myself and as extroverted as myself, it was almost like a twilight zone experience. I mean, I really did just have to go to the deepest, deepest, deepest inner depths of my being to process all of it. So, and that's okay too. You know, we go through phases uh, where sometimes this change can be extremely difficult and um and we still have choices about things we can do um we just always have choices i remember you know you're, you're talking about your mom and when my mom was very ill and getting towards her time of transition i I put up a quote in her kitchen on the cabinet because it was really hard for me to come in the house. I'd have to do this whole preparation to come in the house because of what was going on. And, and the quote said, you must do what you think you cannot do. And for some reason, every day that I read this quote, it gave me some kind of strength. Mm-hmm. And so your listeners have to find out what their quote is what their song is, what their inspiration is, what their motivation is. And if you don't know what it is, then, you know, hire a coach for a short period of time, join a mastermind group through conscious and carefree, um, elicit help from a friend, you know, for accountability or exposing you to new things. Or go on these message boards. Like I used to go on message boards and read like other people, you know, all these breast cancer, you know, boards. And I would see these women posting. Like, It's funny as a radio host, I'm a big blabber, but I'm not a poster on my personal life. I don't write a whole lot, you know, up there, but I was reading all these other women's experiences and I'm like going, Oh my God, that's me. That's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm going through. And I guess the whole thing is you, whether it's a, a partner, a coach, a therapist, a priest, a minister, a healer, whatever it is. It could be a hairdresser. You know, it could be anyone. Yes. But the worst thing I can think you can do is not to reach out. I agree. I'm Anything in agreement. You don't know what you need. Yes. And, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, like I said, I was fortunate that I had my um, divine partner, my, my now husband with me. And um, he could help. Um, but, you know, some, some of my friends have a great thing. I belong to a goddess group up in Los Angeles and um, they have this beautiful communication system where if let's say uh, somebody in San Diego is going to go through like shoulder surgery or something like that, somebody would be made the advocate and they would send out a message to the whole group saying, Hey, this person's having surgery. They're going to need some assistance. Who wants to come and, and set up, you know, come and be with her for a little bit? Who wants to help her take a shower? Who wants to help make her a meal? And they become like the advocate. I know that religious groups do this for people, oh, yeah, right? They'll have like, like sign up. Yeah. So what a great idea. So, so, you know, you can, you know, kind of ask one of your friends, to, you know, to be the, the speaker on your behalf during a time of great change and ask for what you need wow. if you cannot ask for it. Can you imagine, like, I look back to the time, like, you know, when I was going through my divorce and my mom was dying, like, can you imagine the difference if I had known that I could reach out? And I know my friends would do it. I just didn't right. even know to ask. Right. And we, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing right there is that we don't know to ask or many of us. I mean, I used to feel bad about asking people favors. I used to be like, I'm so sorry to take you away from your kids and your life. And I'm I'm so sorry to inconvenience you, but could you just do this little thing for me where I realize now that, um, that learning to ask and having the courage to ask um, is, has brought me and brings me really extraordinary gifts. And that we don't realize also that other people are looking to give and they don't always know how. So you're sometimes you're giving someone a gift by giving, by asking for, you know, to be given to you're, you're, you're giving that other person a gift. And this, that took me years to learn. Well, and someone can always say, no, I can't do it. I can't help you with that. 
But well, it's ahead. like one time I was in children's court um, with my kids and I said to two of my friends, I'm like, what I hate about this is I hate that we're dragged in. I hate that the kids are taken out of school, that they've done nothing wrong. I've done nothing wrong. And then they take my kids and put them in separate rooms you know, because this was a, a lawsuit thing. So they put the kids in separate rooms and then the attorneys have to interview them. And I'm oh. like, if they pull me to ask me questions, then the kids are left unattended with, you know, somebody from the court that I don't know. Right. And two of my friends were like, well, we'll come. And my friend Janet sat with my younger one and did oh coloring. And then with my older one, my friend Jackie came and did dot to dots. And then we could all go. And then, you know, after that, I was so grateful. I just, you know, was falling apart. I was, I was so grateful. And they're like, both of them said they were so happy to finally give me something. Wow. I have everything material I could ever need. You know, I never ask for anything because that's the way I was raised, but now I'm better. And I realized that. <laughs> I robbed them of the joy of giving me something. And because I never asked for help, it made a dent in our friendship that they couldn't give to me. They couldn't give me something because I wouldn't receive it. And that was all on me. That's, that's heavy. Um, and I think it's common. I, I really so do think it's the norm. And um, it, it's that's a part of you know this is we're talking about becoming vulnerable mm -hmm. also and that's very difficult especially when you know you and I are leaders and and strong women and and we can do everything ourselves and we have done you know most thing ourselves and so it it is it is a shift in perception to think um you know what i can get help with this I could get some assistance because what you just described with your friends coming in and helping you with your children during one of the most difficult times in your life uh, is just, it's so touching for me to hear. I, I, because, you know, it, it's easier for people when they're outside of it, when it's not happening to yes. them, it's so much easier for them to give us what we can't even imagine. We can't even right. imagine the, the gifts they could give us just by reaching out and just saying, you know what, I'm struggling right now or I'm doing the best that I can and, and I'm, not, I'm not doing as well as I'd like to do and I could really use your assistance. And sometimes people will call and ask for my help in a certain way and what I've learned to do is if I cannot help them exactly in the way they've asked me at that time, I will normally say, well, I, you know, I can't do this, but I can do this. Right. And so I'm fulfilling needs, you know, here in this way, in the way that I think I could give to them to the best during the time, you know, that I can do it. And so I can give to them in other ways that they might not have expected. And so, and this comes from the ask, yeah. right? And, and the vulnerability to ask. And, and what you're talking about also, Sandra, is allowing, yeah. that you're allowing yourself to be assisted. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but with me, it's like um, when I'm assisted and supported, um, it's happening these days in such beautiful ways and in the highest ways, um, you know, even greater than I can imagine. So I'm not just saying this stuff. I'm, I'm being the recipient of this receiving and having this experience. And it sounds very similar to, you know, a phase that you're in right now too with, with receiving. Yeah, because so, I was so afraid before to let anybody help me because it was yeah. an admission to myself that I couldn't do it. Right. And I thought all the coaching I've done over the years, if I, you know, if you think you can't, you can't, you know, and that's the thing. Right. So I kind of got this cycle in my head of going, if I ask for help, it's admitting I can't. And the minute you, you think you can't, you're done. Like, and that's where like, you know, one of the things that you talked about was, you know, you talked about studying your role models. Yeah. But also, I think you have to evaluate, are your role models still valid 
And are these role models appropriate for this situation? Because yes. all my role models were from my military background. And so wow. put up, shut up, get it done, focus on this, da 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 da. That's great for some things. Yes. Not so great for others. And so exactly. I had to really and, and this is where my my grief coach and my my divorce coach and my therapist called me out on some of this stuff going, you know. And my friend, Scott, who's a fighter pilot, always gives me the greatest advice. And he's like, Sam, he's like, there's a difference between getting in a plane and flying it into a combat zone and having people shoot at you and kill you and you going to a meeting where you're going to get your hat handed to you. Like, you're not going to die from this meeting. You're not going to die in the courtroom. You're not going to die if you have to talk to the judge, which was right here. And even though their degrees, you know, you've got fighter pilot, you've got Sandra going to court, then you have whatever it is to somebody, to me, that got in my head that I was getting in this, you know, F-18 or F-35 and flying over a war zone. Yes. It felt like it to you. You had those feelings. You you were having trauma and you were having PTSD. And so you were... It was like, it was the same as, I, I described once my divorce as like having to flee a burning building. And, and it felt like that at times. Yeah. And, and it, but it was the, again, we can, this is, you know, these are, these are stories that we have, we started to tell ourselves. And we create them. And we create them. And so We've got to look at it in change. We've got to look at the stories that we've, you know, been passed down. Some of these stories are handed down and we're, we're acting them out today. So you have to look at if the stories that were handed down from generations before you, do they feel good? Do they match how you want to live your life and who you want to be? Are they serving you? Are they serving you? So we have to look at the stories that we're telling ourselves and the storylines. Because I often tell my clients, you know, when I'm coaching somebody, I'm like, wow, you're, you're about to enter a new chapter. And then they go, oh, and sometimes, you know, a new chapter, that's change. Right. Yeah. Also, you've got blank pages. And, and I want to remind your listeners that they get to write the chapter that they want. Mm-hmm. And when you approach it from, I get to write this chapter that's before me versus, Oh, I have to do this, or I have to have that, or he said, or she said, or they said, or whatever. No. Right. This is my chapter. I get the outcome that I want. And you do the best that you can. That's all you can do at any given times. But being aware of the stories that you're telling yourself, it's key. Because like you said, you know, in your mind, you were telling yourself that you were flying this. It was life or death. Yeah, it was life or death. And it wasn't. Yeah. And I was using tools that were meant to keep me alive in combat. Yeah. Applying them to a non-combat situation, applying them to a situation that that really needed a different mindset. It yeah. needed a different role model. Mm-hmm. But we can't figure out all these things ourselves, Steph. That's why nope. we do these nope. shows. So that That's we can, right. the walk I walk, the walk you walk, maybe somebody else doesn't have to suffer so much. Uh, that's one of my goals. If I've been through it and I know better and I can transfer that information to you, that's, that's all of everything that I do. And, uh, you know, with, with Conscious and Carefree, if we're able to share articles and share people's stories, where we can learn through pleasure mm-hmm. instead of learning through pain, where we and can and fellowship and, and kindness. Yeah. And, and support and uh, this understanding that, you know, this is another thing that we don't think about is we are, the world is moving faster than it did before. And we are having to evolve so quickly. And I, it's almost like we're, it feels like, you and everyone next to you is running a marathon 
right? They're just, they're, they're just running. And okay, and then the weekend comes, five o'clock, woo, woo, blow that work time whistle. Okay, now you get to relax, but do you really get to relax because you got to do the dishes and you have to garden and, and your kids have all these things. And so it's just, and this is not a way to live. No. This is not a way to live, that survival mode. And so, you know, with conscious and carefree, we want people to be living in thriving mode. We want people to be living in passion and purpose. Um, and if they have to go through change, here's another wonderful tip that I love to use with my clients is to act as if a change has already occurred. Imagine what it feels like after it's done, right? Not when you're in the middle of it. What would it feel like after it's done? Because we have a tendency to worry until after change occurs, and it keeps us from feeling good most of the time. It keeps us from feeling good during the process. And, you know, I really, I want your listeners, and I want really everyone to feel as good as possible as often as possible. Stephanie, you've been a great guest. If you love today's show, please check out last week's show, uh, which was on living a conscious and carefree life. Today, we're talking about embracing change. If you want to find out more about Stephanie and learn from her, which I think is a great thing to do, go to her lifestyle blog and her learning forum, which is conscious and carefree. You can go to B, the letter B, carefree.com for formulas for joyful and productive living. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.